Welcome back to the Early Weigh-In Podcast. This Saturday, we head back to Vegas in the Apex again for UFC Vegas 75. And our main event, top five showdown at middleweight, we have Marvin Vittori taking on Jared Cannonier. Um, in the co-main event, I'm with everybody expecting a pretty one-sided beat down here, but we have Armin Sarukian taking on Joaquin Silva. A total of 14 fights and a pretty solid fight night, if I'm being honest with you. I'm excited to go through and talk the best fights, pick out the best bets on the card with you. As we always ask, please like the video, sub to the channel if you haven't before, and when you're done, leave us a comment who you have in this tightly contested main event. As far as last week goes, man, coming off the hills of UFC 289, Good night for Canada and a good night for the podcast. Canada goes 6-0, and um, and we both end up in the green, so no complaining there. Um, as always, I'll throw it over to recap uh, how we did last week before we jump into the main event. Yeah, it should be coming onto this podcast in the casual cat, but mm-hmm. I'm coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee right now inside a hotel room on the uh, on the personal hotspot. So <laughs> bear with us <laughs> if it gets a little choppy down the way. Uh, yeah, we'll take a look over at your card first. A clean sweep other than the no contest. You started uh, with your biggest bet of the night, Mar- Mike Mallett over Adam Fujit. Got it done quickly. I was really hoping that that fight would extend a little bit so we could see more of Mallett. But uh, Not me. <laughs> didn't end up happening. He got it done pretty quick. Uh, then we were both on Marc-Andre Berriut uh, versus Eric Anders. Um, went to decision, but I thought it was a pretty clear-cut decision. Yeah. I think it was excellent value at minus 140, minus 135 range. Um, great hit there. Nasruddin Amava versus Chris Curtis ended in a no contest with a headbutt. Nasruddin started off strong like we expected, and uh, you know it, it looked good for him. I don't think Chris Curtis was looking for a way out. Chris Curtis is somebody who I, right. I feel like does have that warrior mentality, and uh, if he couldn't see, he couldn't see. That was one of the few instances that I don't think that he was uh, milking it, you know. <laughs> uh, now in the uh, in your parlay, you had the over one and a half rounds in both the uh, Anders fight and the uh, Nasruddin Amavov Chris Curtis. Now, although that ended in a no contest, it did hit that over one and a half mark. So I'm happy that he changed that for you. Uh, you had one and a half units on that to win a little bit over a unit, and he ended up the night plus three point one three with a forty eight percent return on investment. Uh, definitely a good night for you. Practically a clean sweep. Uh, looking over at my card, biggest bet of the night was the Mark Andre Barryu bet. I had three units on him at minus one thirty-five. Um, as long as that one hit, I, I knew I was comfortable going to be making some profit there in the night. So that one was nice. <laughs> I took a took a little shot on uh, Dariush by decision at plus three forty. He got it to the ground, and <clears throat> you know, I thought that that was going to happen, but I didn't. I thought that he would be able to maintain that position a little bit longer. Charles Oliveira. Um, you know, prove that he uh, he deserves his his title shot back. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I was I was happy to see him get the win. Is what it is. It was a, a long shot. Then I had the Miranda uh, Miranda Maverick Jasmine Jazdavicius fight ends by sub at plus four hundred. Um, not how I saw that fight playing out. So right. you know, it was uh, it was interesting to say the least. Another long shot and uh, didn't hit it. Now uh, the Curtis wins in round three decision plus two seventy five. Kind of a long shot seeing how the fight was going, but i um, happy to t- get the no contest there. I was right. actually kind of looking for Chris Curtis to <laughs> to not continue. So um, is what it is. I ended up the night positive 0.72 units with a 13% return on investment. And uh, yeah, I'm happy with it. Um, not a huge night by any means, but happy with it. I'll take it any day of the week. We move on 
to the main event of the evening where we see Marvin Vittori taking on Jared Cannonier. And uh, truthfully, I think a lot of people are just overthinking this, man. Um, you've got a 29-year-old versus a 39-year-old. Um, I understand that neither one of them had the best showing in their last outing, but you got to assume that regression of any type in a 39-year-old is cause for concern. And although Cannoneer uh, is kind of built like Yoel Romero, where you, you probably he probably can go into his 40s at a high level, I do think that Marvin Vittori is just at a different point in his career. And I do think that his ceiling is higher at this point in this, in his career. Mm -hmm. um, I look at the, I, I try and break down the fight as far as what is Mar what does a uh, cannoneer have over Marvin Vittori. And the only thing that I can come back to is the power. I don't think that that's going to be much of a, a factor here. Marvin Vittori's really never shown chin issues. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you're not, you know, equating that power into to breaking down this fight, then what does it what does it matter? You know, I think Vittori has the pressure, the volume, the pure striking. He's been in Thailand working on that striking, um, the, the pressure. I think he'll win minutes in the judge's eyes. Uh, truthfully, I think that Cannoneer got gifted that split decision against Strickland. And Strickland's not really somebody who's pushing the same type of pace that Marvin Vittori is going to be pushing, you know, um, Strickland's the type of guy who will stand in front of you and make you strike with him. But it's more or less like shadow boxing for for an extended amount of time where Marvin Vittori is more of that grinding fighter. And I do think that that's going to wear on the gas tank of Cannoneer, who has shown those regressions. And truthfully, if Sean Strickland would have incorporated a little bit of uh, grappling against the fence and cage control, that could have been the difference between winning that split split and not winning right. the, the fight. Um, so for me, it's Marvin Vittori. The line does seem to be getting away. It's minus 120 now. I really wish I would have hit that plus 100. Yeah. don't really know how I'm going to attack it, but I do think that there's volume as long as you're getting him under, you know, 60% win. Um, you know, that minus 150 mark, I do think that that's where you start losing value. But Marvin Vittori's the side for me. Yeah, um, I, I think I'm on the same side as you, but looking online, I think there's a lot more people with more clearer opinions, a lot more eager to bet this fight than I am. You know, earlier in the week, we saw a whole lot of Cannoneer love drive this line down to Marvin being at plus 100, and then since seeing that Marvin, you know, love come in. Um, and I think that's pretty accurate. I think Marvin should be about a minus 120, minus 130 as well. Uh, they both have come up short for gold, and it, it kind of sucks for them both because Izzy's now won the belt back again, so it's not Alex Preya there anymore. Um, and, you know, mentality-wise, they're, they're both in a tough spot because they're going to have to string together more wins to make themselves relevant for the belt again. And they're both probably going to have to try to get through Robert Whitaker again, which is unrealistic in my opinion for both of them. So when I look at that – Who's more likely to, you know, still sit there and grind against the top five, the top ten, and work your way back? And, and it is the 29-year-old Marvin Vittori. It's definitely not the 39-year-old Jared Cannonier. And if you just want to look at 10-year age gaps in the UFC in general, um, I'd be willing to bet that a minus 120 is pretty generous considering how many, you know, the younger fighter wins at such a percentage. Durability-wise, um, you know, you always have to lean Marvin Vittori. Um, but at the same time, he struggles to finish a lot of his opponents and Jared's yet to be finished at middleweight. And so I think there's a really good chance this fight goes late, potentially the full 25 minutes. And I'm worried we just get stuck, you know, with judges playing the number game again. You know, I personally think Marvin's going to do a little bit more, be a little bit faster, rack up the kicks on the outside. And like you said, Sean Strickland didn't do, grind him on the fence, find a takedown or two late in a round to maybe seal it. Um, 
But the last fight against Delidze, although it was a win, it gave me some to maybe insight as to how this one could be. Because I, I consider both Cannoneer and Roman Delidze pretty much like what they consider meat and potato strikers. They just kind of sl- sling a big right hand. You know, there's more power than technique behind it. Um, and Roman was able to make it close, man, just kind of walking forward, landing one big bomb on Marvin. And it, it kind of offset the the 15 leg kicks that Marvin had thrown. And so I'm worried that maybe the typical big moments get swayed by Jared Cannonier, kind of like they did in the Sean Strickland fight. Um, so as far as clearest opinion um, of who's going to be victorious on Saturday, I don't have it. Um, but Marvin Vittori is going to be my pick. I do think he's a side. I just think we're stuck seeing that volume versus power debate, and I'm done trusting the, the judges' scorecards to to make the right decision. So I'm gonna I'm probably gonna look to attack this from a prop angle instead of a money line side. As far as uh, co-main co-main event goes, Armin Sarukian versus Joaquin Silva. Um, I don't really know how much time I'm gonna spend on it. You know, it looks like Armin's just staying active at this point. It doesn't really look like there should be a this fight should even have been made. Um, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with me when I say that Armin's probably a top five lightweight in the UFC. Um, the guy can strike, the guy can grapple his ass off, and I'm really expecting him to put on a clinic and, and finish Silva pretty easily on Saturday. For Silva, I think you and I were talking about it on the phone last week. Contract got to be coming to an end, trying to guarantee yourself an easy opponent being the company man this time, or you know maybe you're just down for the biggest opportunity in your life. Um, but, man, uh, props to him for taking this fight. I don't know if it's TKO or submission. I'm unsure if it's under 1.5, but I do think Armin finds this finish before the bell. Um, I took the under two and a half there. It's kind of the only way you can play a minus 1,000. Do you have any input here? Uh, You know what, man? With Joaquin Silva's explosivity, right? This is just like a perfect opportunity for MMA to do its thing. You know, I do think that Armin, obviously, he has all all these different... Um, ways that he could win this fight. He can take him down, just grind him out. But Joaquin is explosive enough that I think if he does sell out on sub, uh, on some submissions early, that that's entirely possible. Like he he is submitting bigger guys. He he in the in grappling matches, he's submitting Neil Magny. He's uh you, you know he just that win against Jesse Ronson. You see the power. This is just one of those matchups where I do feel like MMA could do its thing, and this is. Uh, <laughs> You know, this is just one of those because you're right. This is a complete mismatch on paper. Why is it even happening? Um, but yeah, the the only way that this could that uh, Saryukian drops this is if Silva sells out in that first round and tries to get a finish. Um, outside of that, I do think that a lot of people are playing the game on um, fight starts round two or the plus four fifty and fight ends in round two. It's just a whether or not how, or how long Silva can last, and yeah. um, you know. Truthfully, I don't think it's going to be very long. I have Saryukian taking him down early, and and uh, once Silva, you know, gives up on the guillotine that he tries to sell out for, I think he's just going to climb him, uh, climb him, uh, climb him, and uh, submit him. Honestly, I think it's going to be, happen pretty quickly. Uh, we'll move on to my fight of the night, where I took Nicholas Mata taking on Manuel Torres. Um, I don't have a bet on this fight just yet. I know that you've kind of already placed your bet on Torres here, and I, I have to agree with you that he is the side. I do think that he's, you know, a little bit longer. I think he's the faster guy. He has a little bit more volume. 
Um, but I do see a, a little bit of defensive holes in Manuel Torres's game. I do think that whenever he does rush in there, you see that his chin stays up in the air. And I think as far as uh, as far as fighting Mata, that's not a that's not a great thing to to do. You know, he's somebody who needs to be in range to be successful. And um, I do think that if he uh, if Torres comes into the into his space with reckless abandon, he is subject to get caught with one of those hooks from Manuel Tor- or from um, Mata. Mm-hmm. Now, Mata, on the other hand, I, I do think that he has to make this fight a little bit dirtier than um, you know most people would want in a UFC fight. Uh, but I do think that he is subject for a win. There is an angle that I really like for this fight, and its fight ends by TKO. Um, at plus or at minus one seventy five, it's better than the um, than the uh, Torres money line, and it's um, you know it's his most likely path to victory. And then you kind of hedge out by if he does get caught by rushing in with some of his attacks. Um, so I think that this fight does end by TKO, and I think it's going to be an absolute banger. So that's why I had to pick it for my fight of the night. Yeah, you man, you you picked an excellent fight. I think it's a a fun fight that stays on the feet for as long as it's going to last. Um, Moda, big power to me, but he's one of these guys that kind of looks to to counter you more than leading any of the exchanges. And to be honest with you, in the exchanges, I just don't see a lot of diversity. I, I continue to see the left hook just trying to be set up over and over again. And anybody with good timing, I you know, someone not named Cameron Van Camp, I, I think could get his number there. Uh, taking on Manuel Torres, I tried to tried to get to the well on him back in March against Trey Ogden. I, I really like Torres' striking a lot. I think the guy flows on the feet. He's comfortable in the pocket, and he offers a ton of you know weapons at range that are going to give Mata issues when he tries to close that distance and land a big left hook. Um, I think I think we do see one guy get knocked out here, so that's an awesome that's an awesome little prop that you're looking at. Uh, but yeah, this is one of the better fights on the card. One I think absolutely sees a finish. Uh, great fight to highlight. I am going to move to our featherweight division, uh, taking Pat Sabatini versus Lucas Almeida. Another one of these real fun fights, man. Some clash of styles, to be honest with you as well. You know, Sabatini, he's coming off the loss to Damon Jackson where he was kicked in the face and finished with ground and pound. Not the best look, um, but, you know, Pat's been a guy that I've liked for a long time. You know, he trains out of a great gym in Renzo Gracie, Philly. At one time, this gym was like 16-0 and in the UFC. Pat's an extremely talented grappler. Uh, not only does he have incredible wrestling, but the guy has really good submission and jiu-jitsu ability on the mat, blends it all together very well. The striking, it is a work it is a work in progress, to be honest with you. He's a bit one-dimensional on the feet, and he can kind of get away with that sometimes just due to his takedown threat. Um, I see him kind of leave some openings on the feet. You know, again, you go back to Damon Jackson catching him. You see Jamal Emmers hurting him on the feet earlier in that fight. Um, and that could spell trouble with him if he's going to play around with Lucas Almeida on the feet here. Um, I just don't really expect him to do so here. Almeida, nasty striker, man. I, I'm very glad the UFC gave him his call. When you watch the fight with him and Daniel Zell Huber on, you know, Dana White Contender Series, I would not have been upset if both of those guys get signed that night. It, it's Easily probably a top three to five fight in contender series history. Gets a debut over Mike Trezano, um, you know, gets dropped, shows me his toughness, comes back to get the round three knockout. And then the UFC tries to match him up with guys like Andre Feely and Hakeem Dawadu that, you know, they know the skills are there and they're trying to give them fun fights. This guy uh, has finished all 14 wins inside the distance. He's a BJJ black belt. 
And you know, I really like guys who can finish fights sitting at plus money. That's, that's super tempting to me um, all the time. The guy's got a good right hand. I think he has a good chance of beating up the lead leg of a wrestler like Pat Sabatini. Um, always in combination. And, man, the guy can throw a good check left hook, and he's moving backwards. From what I've seen, man, the takedown defense, it looks pretty good. You just haven't seen it against the caliber of grappler that Sabatini is. And so I don't like betting against wrestlers. Um, it's going to be enough to keep me off, off Lucas Almeida, and keep me siding with my boy Pat Sabatini. But I do think there's a chance this line's wide. Uh, do you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, I've been looking at the uh, plus 110 Lucas Almeida inside the distance uh, decision no action line. I think that that looks really, really nice for all the reasons that you just touched on. Um, it's hard to trust Sabatini, who I feel like isn't super submission oriented. He's 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 really um, uh, control based. And I think like having to control somebody for 15 minutes and bank on it where he's already kind of been exposed in his last bout. Um, it's tough. It's tough to play him, especially at uh, favorite odds here. Yeah. So, um, you know, the inside the distance uh, decision, no action for Lucas Almeida is definitely where I'm leaning. But I don't know if I'm actually going to find any money on that spot. I like that spot. Uh, moving on uh, you as well. I like that a lot. The uh, my fighter to watch for the podcast is none other than Zalgis Zumagulov. <laughs> uh, I have put two and a half units on him already this week, and um, it's just one of these ones, man. Like I'm looking at his record right now; he's one in five in the UFC. I don't know many fighters that, uh, if any, have gotten this many opportunities in the UFC with. Um, you know, this record right here, man, yeah. um, you, you know that the UFC kind of feels for him, or at least they're understanding that he's getting screwed out of a ton of these fights. And you look at him before the UFC or even in moments in some of these fights, he is an excellent fighter in and of himself. He's well-rounded. I think that his biggest setback in his entire career has been his size. Um, but that's something that, you know, I, that's something that Felipe is, and I don't know how to say his last name, Boones or Boones. Something like that. <laughs> Boons, we'll go with Boons. Um, that's something that he doesn't have a significant advantage over here. I do think that Zalgus is going to size up relatively well with him in the in the faceoffs. Um, and this is somebody who, you know, he's thirteen and six. And I did watch a little bit of tape. He is um, explosive and and um, you know unique in his attacks. He's dangerous to say the least. But I do think that he's going to need. Um, you know, to sell out for a submission. He's going to he's gonna have to find a submission when Zalgis takes him down because on the feed, I think Zalgis is defensively sound enough to piece at him. And although it hasn't been very successful in the eyes of the judges recently, I do think that he has a much better skill set than Felipe here. I do think that he's going to be able to push the pace. And I do think that this goes to decision at quite a high clip. I think that Felipe... Um, oddly enough, has more of a finishing upside, but that upside isn't very much. You know, I, I do think that Zalgis holds a, a significant advantage in just uh, all aspects of MMA. And so I've picked him to get a win here. I got him at minus 150, and he's lost me so much money that I, I need to get some of that back. So tail at your own risk because there is a little bit of bias in here and just me wanting to get that that uh, that money back, losing uh, on the last two. I think I was on him against Molina and Johnson. 
I so. believe you were as well. Uh, so yeah, he's uh, he's he's hurt you on the judges' scorecards, and I think that's what's ultimately going to keep me away from betting August. Is all the fights are just extremely close every single time, and and with this guy, um, I think on paper they have him listed as two or three inches bigger, a five inch reach. So I am curious to see how they size up and the weigh ins and stuff. And the guys, uh, the guy trains with the Pitbull brothers, and Pitbull's been you know in camp to fight Sergio Pettis this weekend, so thinking maybe he was, you know, in camp with them. He's not really taking it on super short notice. I don't know, man. Uh, He's probably their punching bag for the camp. Could be, could be. Could be Connor's Artem, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, I, I like Zagas to win, but I don't I don't know if I can play juice on him. Uh, fighter to watch for me, I'm going to go with Hione Barcelos. Um, you know, people were largely considering this guy to be the dark horse at 135 for a long time. The age and just inactivity kind of holding him back. Um, and now at 36 years old, you know, and with Brazilian fighters, we often see a decline, sometimes quicker than we do with a lot of other guys. And man, losing three of your last four, I, I you know, two of your last three before Umar, I do think that there was potential evidence of a decline in Rowney Barcelos already there. Um, the guy is extremely talented, though. Very fast twitch muscle guy, good speed. He's a good striker, even better grappler, man. This guy's fantastic jujitsu can lock up submissions from everywhere but again man you got to go back to the fact that he's 36 years old coming off the first knockout of his career you got to wonder how that's going to affect him going forward it was a bad nasty K- uh, tko um but if it has no effect i truly could, could see ioni barcelos winning this fight seven and a half eight times out of ten man i truly think minus 200 um could be a gift it's just unknown at the present moment how ronnie's how ronnie's going to perform and I think that's things that you just have to take into consideration when choosing to lay minus 215, minus 220. Um, but I think it's a fantastic matchup for him. There's just a few red flags. But put those red flags aside, I got Bar- Harney Barcelos to, to pretty much dog walk Miles Johns, to be honest with you. Um, so a couple questions about him. But uh, Harney Barcelos, the fighter to watch this week. Yeah, I think that's an excellent guy to, to watch. He, he was out cold for quite a while yeah. in that last one. It's not a good look. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That's a great fighter to watch for sure. Uh, so this is for the underdog section of the podcast. I was coming in here <laughs> going to be talking about Marvin Vittori again. And uh, <laughs> now I got to find something different. Now he's so, um, uh, I think I'm going with Lucas Almeida. We kind of touched on it already, but I, I do think that Lucas Almeida has a lot of finishing upside here. Um, he is going to have a lot. He's going to offer a lot of problems for Sabatini on the feet. And if his takedown defense is just a little bit better than we've seen in the past, I do think that he could look like a clear favorite here. Sabatini is one of these guys who, if he cannot get that side of his game going, um, I think he could look like a fish out of water. So um, I'm I'm on Lucas Almeida at plus 165 for my underdog of the week. I love underdogs at big plus money who finish all of their fights. They don't even make you sweat it to a decision or anything. When a, a big plus money ticket can go out there and get a first round knockout, it makes it makes everything so much nicer. Uh, underdog for me, I'm telling you, man, this is giving me Jean Yanan vibes. I'm tempted to double down here on Nicholas Dalby at plus 160. Um, you and I never been too high on Muslim Salikov in the past, and I truly feel that we're seeing a market overcorrection um, in his past performance in TK over Andre Fialho. Um, there is never a time, truly, that I don't think these guys are matched up in the UFC, and it's not a 50-50 fight. I know Dalby's also 39, 
Muslim looks like a way older 39, in my opinion, um, moves like it as well. He's become a lot more low volume as he's gotten older in age, relying more of the, the big moments, the spinning attacks to kind of win over the judges. And that's something Dalby's been able to avoid his whole career. Um, Muslim starting to slow down in fights. I think he struggles against guys who can mix it up. I think he struggles against guys who are grindy, can make the fight dirty and not give him his striking range. And I think the guy's a bit fragile, if I'm being honest with you, being finished in all three of his losses. With Dalby, it's almost the exact opposite, man. We're looking at a guy who's as durable as they come, never been finished in his entire career. I think he's personally coming off a harder fight, fighting Worley Alves down in Brazil than he has Muslim in front of him. He throws twice the twice the volume, much better gas tank. This guy can go a hard 15 minutes easily switching stances he's he's just he's almost like Marvin Vittori to an extent he's always putting something in your face the dude's just a grinder good kicks always putting volume at you and for a fight that I think goes to decision at a very very high clip I want to I want to take the guy who does more and has the better gas tank so 38 percent on Dalby is straight up nuts to me I've got one one unit at plus 160 and I'm really tempted about dropping another unit on him before fight night yeah, interesting way to read that fight. I um, I don't know if I hold the same sentiments, but it, it's uh, it's an interesting fight for sure. Um, I th- I would agree that the line is a little bit wide, but I do have to favor Muslim. I, I think just slightly. Uh, we move on to is it prop prop right yeah. now? Prop section of the night, and uh, uh, going back to the Barcelos Johns fight. I really like the Johns by by TKO plus six fifty, dude um for what it's worth i mean that was an awful ko you know that was really really bad he was out for minutes and he's 36 years old and you've seen signs of regression over the last few fights umar finally exposes him and um miles johns you know i don't think that he's necessarily great everywhere but his money line might actually be be value I, i do think that um he does have the power now usually it's it's late in rounds when you get to see him showcase it he's getting those finishes in the later mm-hmm. rounds and i think that that only works in his favor here as yep. barcelo starts to slow down miles johns keeps his power and that that knockout's going to be there so the the prop for me is plus 650 miles johns tko i was just about to say he's proven to carry that power late into fights as well um and yeah you got to think he has nothing for barcelos in the grappling so if he's going to get this done it's probably going to be by a knockout on the feet and that's an incredible mm-hmm. number to get at, man. Uh, prop for me, I'm taking the main event, Vittoria and Cannoneer go the distance. I missed the minus 120 opener in the week. I think it's minus 150, minus 160 now. But, I mean, even at the high end of the minus 150, I think the number's still good. I mean, I don't know how many times they need to match these high-level middleweights up and it go the fucking full distance, and they still give us numbers like this. There's not been a middleweight finish in the top five besides Israel and Perea, and God, I don't know how long it feels like. I think it's an extremely high-level fight between two tough, proven, durable competitors that I think goes to the distance way more than what that line is indicating. Marvin Vittori's had 14 UFC fights, and 12 of them have gone the distance. Like He's only subbed two low-level guys, I think somebody in his debut, and then Carl Roberson. Um, and he's, he's just not a big finishing threat, and he's got a blockhead himself, man. He's hard to put away, never been finished. You look at Jared, four of his last five have gone the distance. Three of his five light heavyweight bouts went the distance as well. This guy's not some like crazy potent finisher like he looks physique-wise. Um 
I know five rounds, 25 minutes is a lot, but I, I think this fight can literally go the distance at like 70% of the time. So I think there's some value sitting there and um, I've put the over two and a half in a, in a parlay this week, but I think it goes the distance at a high clip, man. Nice. Yeah. I, I also would agree with that. I, I think that that's a good, good spot to pick for your, uh, for the prop. Uh, for my best bet, it's going to be Marvin Vittori. <laughs> um, you know, we touched on all the different reasons why I, I think that he's better everywhere. Um, he's got the age, and I think that his chin, unless you're suspect of that, then I don't really see how Cannoneer wins this. Um, so, yeah, Marvin Vittori, I, like I said, I think people are just overthinking it. They're trying to get fancy with it. Um, and, and realistically, we've got somebody who's a decade younger in the prime of his career and um, holds a lot of advantages in all aspects of MMA. So Marvin Vittori for my best bet of the week. I like that, man. Uh, I'm going to go with Manuel Torres. He is my biggest money line bet on the card right now, so I do feel obligated to put that out. I got 1.5 units on him at plus 180 to return just over 0.8 units. Um, I like your TKO prop as well, because I think this fight largely plays out on the feet. Um, I don't really see anybody initiating any type of takedowns or grappling unless they kind of get hurt on the feet. Um, I really favor Torres' striking, and I really favor Torres' durability. Uh, I think he's a faster striker. He's got a clean jab. I think he's going to tear up Mata's lead leg bad. I think that teep kick is going to keep him at the range that he wants. And then when Mata goes to close distance, I think that check left hook of Manuel Torres is going to cause him a big issue, man. Mata doesn't check leg kicks whatsoever. He stands like square on right in front of his opponents with very little footwork. He's half the volume with just a big left hook. And I think after repeatedly throwing that, he's going to get caught in an exchange. So I like Manuel Torres to go out there, you know, finish the guy who's been finished in all four of his losses already. Um, I don't think I don't think Tor- uh, Mata has the forward pressure and, and the grappling needed to cause Torres issues on the feet. So um, I like Manuel Torres to to get the job done inside the in the distance and gonna be my best bet. I like it. I like it. Uh, we move on to the quick pick section of the podcast where we start off tonight in the light heavyweight di- division. Modestus Bukowskis taking on Zach Pauga. Um, I thought that this line would have been closer, to be honest with you. Um, I wanted, you know, just looking at the fight, I'm like, okay, I'll take Bukowskis here because I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, under the impression that Palga isn't as good as yeah. um, you know people think he is. But um, betting Bukowskis here at minus two hundred, uh, it's a little bit of a reach for me. You know, I think that there's a lot of variance in this weight class alone, yeah. and then you take it to a lower level in th- in this weight class, and I just think that there's um, a lot of room for something crappy to happen but modestus is the pick yeah modestus is the pick for me and i wanted to get on him earlier in the week and that that numbers climb like 25 30 points and so i am going to stay off of it but i like modestus to get the job done likely by decision another reason i don't want to lay some chalk uh ronnie lawrence taking on dane argetta you know man originally I actually thought dane argetta could be a live dog here because the the guy can physically wrestle but I think we're putting too much stock into like really how good Kakramanov was. Um, I think Ronnie Lawrence is the better fighter, better striker, the better gas tank. Um, so he, he's going to be the side, although I won't be betting that fight. Yeah, it's a tough one, man. I, I feel like this is a you know almost a buy low spot for Ronnie Lawrence. I think right. if that Saida Cub fight didn't happen, then he's probably a minus 250 here, right? So. 
I don't know. I think it's a buy low spot for Ronnie, and I'd, I'd take the Lawrence side as well. Not not playing it though. Teresa Bleda taking on Gabriela Fernandez. Um, all the reason in the world to bet Gabriela Fernandez here. To be honest with you, man, Teresa Bleda only being twenty one. She's like, I don't know how many times does it have to happen in women's MMA for <laughs> you know <laughs> for you to not justify that that number. Um, yeah. it, it's it's pretty crazy. So I, I'm gonna go with. Uh, Gabriela Fernandez. I'm going to look into the fight a little bit more, and if I if I do um, actually think that she holds some significant edges in in some aspects of of MMA, then I will look at betting her. But I'll take her as my pick for now. I think I'm going to side with the underdog and Gabriela Fernandez as well. Um, I know she has zero takedown defense, but she holds a big advantage on the feet. And if she can get up a few times, just make Blade a work. Man, I don't know. She's going to get the fight in her world eventually. I, I think she's live at that number as well. Uh, Felipe Buens taking on Zaga Zumagulov. Oh, man. I know who you're going to pick, but I think I'm going to make it a little interesting inside the other way with Felipe Bruins. Um, I'm just not in the business of picking Zag- Zagas. Uh, the UFC doesn't seem like they ever do him a favor. I don't know. You know, even when it might look like he's going to win, it just seems like the UFC wants the other guy to win. I don't know. Uh, Felipe Bowens is the pick, but I won't have any action. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm thinking that Charles Johnson and uh, whatever Je- Jeff Molina, both of them are kind of little UFC boys. You know, I do not think that this Felipe Bunez is a UFC boy, and I finally think it's a good opportunity for Zalgis. Um, even if he wins, he still could get cut. But I think the UFC wants to get him a win, and you know, another win in the UFC. Well, that uh, so that? yeah, I'm all. Yes, and I love the haircut too. I mean, I'm I'm glad that he's finally getting some um some love behind yeah. him, you know, some support behind him. So yeah, Zalgasumagula for me. Um moving up, we stay in the flyweight division. Carlos Hernandez taking on Denise Bondar. Um I'm on the Denise Bondar side for not for not reasons that I can really articulate, but I'm on the Bondar side. Yeah, I'm on the Bondar side as well. I think he opened up plus money. Maybe I even look at that, but I don't know. There's there is full potential that that Ukrainian 16 and four record is fraud, and you (laughs) and you really can't. the The fight with Malcolm Gordon, it's bad, bad look, and it could be driving this fight, you know, this line down the way it is. But you just can't really take much from a one minute fight where someone breaks their arm and stuff. So. No action here for me, but Dennis Bondar is aside from me too. King Ho Kong taking on Christian Canones. This is another one where I've been looking at the underdog all week. Um, I just don't like the the age, and I don't like how he's always in split decisions and super close fights. And even when he does enough, he might just not do enough. Um, I'm going to side with King Ho Kong to use his grappling and still a decision. Uh, I think he's a little bit of a live underdog. Yeah, so I don't trust uh, Christian Quinones at favorite odds, right? But I am picking him to win. I think he's the better fighter, and we've seen some um, just a little bit of regression from Kong. And, uh, you know, Quinones, he's coming into his own. I think a win over Khalid Taha actually holds quite a bit of weight. I I, I think Khalid Taha is a pretty decent fighter. Um, So I'm excited to see where Christian Quinones goes um, as he furthers his career in the UFC. I think he gets a win here. Um, moving, dang, these are a lot of, uh, small, yeah, small guys, right? Um, going to flyweight again, Jimmy Flick versus Alessandro Costa. Um, I know that 
you know, Flick did not look good in his last time out. And it's, you know, Charles Johnson isn't really somebody to just obliterate people. So it was a, a tough look for sure. Um, I think Costa might be getting um, too much love for his, you know, short notice appearance and, and performing pretty well. So, um, <laughs> yeah, this is tough. Jimmy Flick's older too. I'm, um, I'll go Costa, not with much conviction though. I won't be laying the minus 275 on Costa, but I do think he goes out there and, and puts Jimmy Flick away. This, When I look at it, it does kind of seem like, hey, you you fault our top five flyweight, Amir Albazi, on day's notice. Here's, you know, bottom-level guy who was retired last year. And seems like they're doing pulling some strings to try to get him a win here for taking that fight. And Jimmy Flick, historically, I think he's been finished in five or six of those six losses or something, so – uh, I don't like that at flyweight. I don't like the retirement. I don't like his age. I don't like how he's strictly submission or bust against a freaking Brazilian and Alessandro Costa. Uh, Costa's the side for me too. Uh, Roundy Barcelos taking on Miles John in our prelim main event. That's a juicy, juicy prop for a young Miles Johns. Um, but if if there is no lasting effect, I think Honey Barcelos is the much better fighter, and that's the side I'm going to pick. Yeah, it's just one of these spots where I feel like I'm getting a, a great number on something that we've obviously seen is, is I mean, if your chin's going out at 36, it's not getting better at 37. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's uh, so I, I don't know. I, I really love the the price tag on John's. And I do think that he's got the um, the cardio to to withstand those er- the early rounds of pressure that Ryoni's going to be able to bring. And I'm assuming that he's going to be trying to grappling considering the outcome of his last <laughs> fight. So um, I, I do think that the the opportunities will be there for Johns, especially in the later rounds. So I'm, I'm siding with Johns here. Uh, Muslim Salikov versus Nicholas Dalby. Um, like you touched on, I think the line is obviously wide, but I do just edge Muslim Salikov here, both of them being old. And Dalby doesn't really bring any finishing upside, which is annoying. I, I think that he is more than willing to like point fight. And, you know, it might be good if you're getting him for an underdog, but uh, um I, I just can't really trust him as a fighter. I've bet on him quite a few times in the past, and it's always like a sweat. So um, I, I'm I'm on the Muslim Salikov side. Man, I, you know, the way he was able to win minutes at range against D-Rod, super impressive to me. The way he was able to avoid the damage from Morley Alves at range and put his ass up on the clinch and beat him up, it's very impressive to me. And I think that's, I think that's a game plan he can really take advantage of against Muslim Salikov. I – um I, I drastically think that there's like a, a 10% edge on here. I, I don't think Muslims should be more than the minus 110, minus 120 here. Moving on up, uh, Nicholas Mata taking on Manuel Torres. Uh, killer, killer fight here, man. Um, I think it ends by TKO, and I got Manuel Torres to be the one to do so. Yeah, I think Manuel Torres also gets the TKO. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll also side with Manuel Torres here. Uh, moving down to the featherweight division, Pat Sabatini taking on Lucas Almeida. Um, I'll be taking Lucas Almeida here. He was my dog, and um, I'm like, I'm not even sure if I'm going to find the the bet on him, but I do uh, like him if we're in just this quick pick section of the podcast. I'm going to side with my boy Pat Sabatini, but I will tell you that gut feeling 
I could see Lucas Almeida getting the job done, man. I I just hate picking against my boy Pat. And if you 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 bet Lucas Almeida and your bet is just like rubbed in your face for 15 minutes as he's on his back, you know, wrestlers just make you make losing your ticket way worse when they just make it look easy and and stall out and ground him. So, ah, Pat Sabatini, don't bet Pat Sabatini though. Christian Leroy Duncan versus Armin Petrosian. I don't know about this one either, man. Part of me thinks that if you're just going to strike with Armin Petrosian at plus money, he's a little bit tempting as well. Um, but I think Christian Relor Duncan with the Cage Warriors experience, all the amateur background, I think he's a pretty solid fighter, man, even though you didn't get to see anything in his last in his debut. Um, I'm not going to bet him, but I am going to side with uh, Leroy Duncan to get the job done. I don't know. We're going like back and forth on a lot of these. I think I'm going with Armin Petrosian for the reasons that you just said. I think if he's going to stand there and bang with him, Petrosian has good durability and he's got excellent kicks and um, he could definitely get this done. So I'm, I'm on the Armin Petrosian side. Should be a good fight. It's kind of interesting that the uh, the under isn't isn't juiced. Um, I guess it, it does kind of take into the fact that uh, Duncan's never lost and Petrosian is durable. So yeah. that makes sense. But I think these guys stylistically, they're going to give the fights that they want to each other. And um, we could see a finish here. So that's something that I'm kind of looking at. Um, and the co-main event, Armin Saryukian taking on Joaquin Silva. Uh, you know, like I said, I think it's just people playing whether or not this fight starts round two. That's the most interesting <laughs> side to this fight because obviously Armin Saryukian is the side. I'll be picking him for my quick pick section. Yeah, I couldn't figure out how he got it done, man. TKO or submission, or if it was under one and a half, or I just opposed to take the under two and a half here, siding with Armin, taking the under two and a half, parlaying it with the over two and a half in our main event here between Marvin Vittori and Jared Cannonier. A fight that I largely think plays out um, and goes to decision. I think Marvin's just going to do a little bit more to steal those rounds, a little bit more pace, a little bit more volume. Um, Marvin Vittori is my pick as well. Um, yeah, barring seeing Mar- Marvin wobbled for the first time, I actually think he makes this kind of easy. I think that he wins this um, like four to one, maybe. Maybe he gets hurt in one round, but I, I think that the pressure is going to be something that Jared Cannonier doesn't really have an answer for. Um, and Marvin's he's got to earn Marvin's respect. And I think Marvin's just at this point in his career where he's he'll scream and run through anything, you know. So yeah. I'll take uh, Marvin Vittori for my pick. I like it, man. That concludes all 14 fights. Talked the best ones, found the best bets, and, and gave you our quick picks for the whole card. It's a pretty slept-on fight night, to be honest with you. There's some pretty nice fights. I'm excited to watch them on Saturday, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace.